Welcome, Art Vans community. You're on the Art Vans podcast. We are going after God's heart for the arts industry. You will be inspired to be uncontained in your God-given passion, talent, and creative ventures. Join me as we interview other people from around Australia and beyond about their field of industry and how God is speaking to them, how He's influencing their field through their life of worship, and how they're hearing God in the process of that and impacting their people within their field of industry. Find your wings with us as we collaborate, discuss, inspire, and peer coach each other through the power of story, revelation, and industry mission fueled by a vibrant life of worship. All right, our Vance community, today's episode, we are looking at the whole realm of fantasy authoring. That is authoring a book around uh, the genre of fantasy. Now, our guest on the show today, uh, in my opinion, is a prolific writer. He was writing in high school, which launched him into a thought process that he should actually make this into a book after some feedback from friends and teachers that he has a real gift. And so today you're going to get a bit of an insight to the, the backstory of Luke Girardi and his amazing emerging series of books called Hidden Heroes. So please stay tuned. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this podcast today. If you have any questions after this, I'm sure Luke would be happy to answer them in a follow-up podcast if that's possible in the future, uh, because I know this is an area that so many artists might shy away from being an author, like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know about you, but me in school, English was not my strength, you know, maths was really not my strength, but English, you know, writing and being really articulate and things like that didn't come until I really received the Holy Spirit, I suppose, um, in the sense of my awareness of the Holy Spirit, my relationship with him in my life. And some of the keys Luke's going to share about this aspect of, you know, our relationship with God and his inspiration for story uh, because God is the master storyteller. Sometimes we assume that God's going to give us these ideas for stories that are overtly Christian uh, for a Christian audience. But I'm telling you right now, God is raising up storytellers that are going to tell stories to uh, mainstream audiences because they are the ones who need to feel the unlocking power of the love of God through story, the, the principles of the kingdom, the nature of God inserted into characters arcs and plots and and things like that is really essential and so sometimes we can think oh maybe i shouldn't be doing this because i should be doing something overtly christian and i just want to stop you there and say actually you just need to be faithful to what god is inspiring within you right now and uh you know we'll all taste the fruit later right so the fruit will show um and i don't say that to intimidate or i don't say that to kind of put a negative spin on it I'm saying we should expect grapefruit when we're leaning on the Lord in our craft. So guys, stick around. Let's listen through to this podcast uh, with my friend, Luke Girardi, the author of Hidden Heroes. Okay, Art Vance community, we are on a fresh episode today. We are going after God's heart for the arts industry. And one thing I love about the arts industry is it's full of storytellers. And we have a storyteller on the show today. We have Luke Girardi. Welcome, Luke. Hi, it's great to be here. So good to have you, man. Uh, you're in the middle of working on a, a multi-series project. Well, not multi-series, but multi-book project. Mm, yeah. 
Um, and this has been a journey from high school until mm. where you are now. Um, before we jump into the depth of the process, could you tell us a little bit of what you are working on right now? Yeah, absolutely. So at the moment, I'm working on a five book series. It's young adult fiction, kind of sci-fi-esque, um, and it's called Hidden Heroes. And at the moment, the first book is out and published, Hidden Heroes Initiation. The second book is what I'm working on getting ready to publish now currently. And I've written the third and fourth. They just still need a lot of work before I start publishing them. Uh, and the fifth one is still yet to have been written. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm working on at the moment. It's five books going to be in total. Just have one more left to write and a couple more left to actually get out into the world. That's so good. And so um, with the initiation, the first one, that mm -hmm. that sets the scene for these characters and uh, how they come together and all of that amazing juicy detail. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It really introduces kind of the whole cast for the whole series. It's like as we go into further books, we'll get to know each character closer and more individually. But in the beginning, it very much sets up the world and uh, what is happening. Um, it's it's kind of the first, the first book is essentially the first chapter of the story. So it's all very interconnected, um, less so than having each book be kind of a standalone story in totality it's very much so about the overarching story that goes throughout the entire series so love it so each book tends to follow particular characters at once yeah yeah and they lead directly into each other most books start in the same scene that the last book ended yeah that's so good that's excellent um another question for you what is some of your creative process because i know for artists we all have our own unique process for getting in the zone and getting productive because otherwise mm -hmm. we do daydream all day um and I, I i speak from experience on that um but yeah <laughs> could you share with us a little bit of what's your creative process yeah absolutely well i think i find that when i actually set out a plan i end up doing a lot better than when I just go, oh, I'll work on it when I feel inspired or oh, I'll work on it just when I feel like it. Um, so at the moment, I've just started studying at university this week. So the book stuff's kind of been a little bit on the back burner. Um, but what I normally do when I do have that plan, I'll either be like, I'll edit this chapter this day and try to keep it consistent. So like I'll edit a chapter a day or I'll write a thousand words or 2000 words a day. Um, and at the moment, the kind of best way I find to get into the zone is usually music is like my, is my thing. It kind of helps drown out, um, all, I, I think a lot, I have a very strong internal monologue going kind of nonstop. And I find that when I put on music, especially music that has lyrics, it kind of, uh, clashes with it and, and it, it creates, creates this, this kind of white noise that allows me to very easily kind of start writing and entering that flow. And I've also found that, um, Spending time with God before I start writing usually helps ground me and center me a lot. So I'll either spend 10, 15 minutes soaking or reading the Bible or listening to a prophetic word I've received in the past or something. Um, and then when I start writing, I'm normally just like, God, can you write with me? And then when I hit that flow, I've sometimes found that I'll, I'll stop writing and I'll look back and I've written 500 words and I don't remember pretty much anything of what I've written um, just because it's come out of that, like, you know you hit that flow state and then it becomes almost autopilot at that stage. Um, yeah. And I really, I really enjoy that because I kind of go back and read. And I'm like, well, 
I didn't realize I, I, I wrote like that. That's really cool. And so I kind of suspect that God might have a hand to play in some of those moments. Um, but yeah. That's awesome. In terms of that flow space, um, have you now you're like four books in, in terms of mm -hmm. creation of this amazing series. Um, have you, what's been, what's it been like to find your voice in your own writing? Like, have you identified where has this idea sprung from? Is it a childhood mm. memory? Is it an observation? Um, you know, do you write how you speak? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think um, the style of the series that I'm writing is that it's a first person recount from the main character. So the way that it's written is him narrating everything, essentially. It's him telling his story. And I think because I started writing the first book when I was 16, and my main character was 16, it very much so became just me telling a story. And so it's almost like I wrote in the same way that when I was telling a friend about something that would happen, I would be narrating it. So I think that's definitely uh, been something that I'm almost concerned about going forwards for when I'm finished with the series, because I'm like, oh, maybe this is the only way that I know how to write is like in this specific voice, um, because it's essentially mine. Um, so that's, yeah, I've definitely thought going forwards, I should probably try to write something maybe third person or with a very different lead character to kind of push me out of my comfort zone. Um, because at the moment, the line is pretty muddied between just how what I would normally do and then like what my main character would do. Obviously there's differences because I'm not in a situation that's life or, de life or death. Um, but I think, yeah, a lot of, a lot of the times in which I'm like, oh, what should happen here? I just think, how would I react in that situation and normally just kind of go forward with that. Um, but that's yeah. great. Yeah. I think that's great. I think, um, you know, that I think that's concern for a lot of artists. Am I not just producing myself? Mm, yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's such an important identification though, that no, this actually, this character is me. And, mm. and, and that's how you tell your story and your different perspectives in that story. And I, I love that. I think that's such an important phase um, mm. because it's actually in that phase we learn, you know, what would a different character do in a different circumstance and that right. yeah. interviewing other people and going, actually, I think I'll base that character mm. of that person in my life because that creates this quirky connection or, or <laughs> whatever it is. But I just, I love that because that's a, that's a wrestle to find your own voice in your writing. And mm. it sounds like you've started that from ground zero, from, from day yeah. one. I mean, a difficulty in that is that now that I'm 21, so it's been five years since I started writing the series, there's been a lot of personal growth that has happened over five years. And so now writing, writing the later books, which, as I said before, it kind of just continues in on, on itself, I have to remind myself, it's like, oh, but because I'm so used to writing just as I would do, now I'm like, okay, but he's 16. And in a very, like, he hasn't gone through the growth that I have over the past five years. It's like keeping it grounded to that spot. Um, yeah, that's, that's been a challenge I found recently as well. So there's pros and cons to it, I guess. Because do, do all the five books all happen within a space of a year in terms of timeline? Yeah, I think, well, I haven't actually gotten the, the, the details of the timeline yeah. of book five yet. Um, but I think it'll be about six months is the yeah. entire story. So yeah. So trying to hasten that tone and keep that tone that you had originally yes. you, at the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hey, um, what inspires 
these stories in terms of like, if you think about, you had the world creation process um, mm -hmm. for people who are like the technicalities of narrative and technicalities of, well, you know, uh, stories are going to enjoy this podcast because I've got questions <laughs> around this because I love storytelling and any yeah. opportunity I get to interview an author, uh, a screenwriter or a filmmaker or whatever, I just want to hear the technical inspiration points. Um, but yeah, the world creation, plot creation, character creation, what, what inspires that for you? You can start with either one of those. It doesn't have to be character first, but... Yeah, well, uh, I, I might start with character first just because that was how it happened in the creation of the book. Yeah. I, knew the, I knew the loose concept, which was that it revolved around a group of people, teenagers mainly, who discovered they had a superpower that's tied to the biggest trauma in their life. So, for example, one of my characters, Jack, he lost his whole family in a house fire when he was 12 and he was the only survivor, and now he can control fire. And so I knew I that, that that was, was the, the, the basic concept of the entire series. And so the way that I started was I started with, sweet, let me come up with as many characters and backstories that I can. Not all of them will have like a main spotlight shone on them at, like during the, the book, but let me come up with the, the cast of supers, as, as you might say. And so it started with the, the power. And then from that came the backstory because the power was kind of the thing that explained what had happened in their lives and so i came up with as many powers as i could think with as many backstories that could line up with them um and then from that started fleshing out each character and deciding which ones i wanted to be my main players and which ones could just kind of be in the background and then from there i was like well what if they were in a situation where they were kind of split up into teams in a way and so i i created all the teams and then I started thinking, okay, so then this whole situation, it's like, I knew that I wanted it to be, uh, they're being forced to use their powers, but they don't want to because they have all this trauma behind them. And so from that, I thought, okay, sweet. They're now being almost held captive, but not really. It's kind of a gray area by like a military organization that is wanting to use them and train them to become assets, but none of them really want to. And then it just developed more and more from there and it, it was kind of like starting with the characters first kind of brought the story and i think it's interesting because it's definitely a plot driven story there's like the difference between a character driven and a plot driven like a lot of sitcoms are completely character driven there's there's nothing that's forcing them into something it's just their own actions but this is a very plot driven story in the sense of these characters are trying to survive but it's very character focused and without the the characters it just it doesn't work quite as well it would be quite boring um or it would fall very, very easily, easily into just, just becoming very like you know when you watch a tv show and it's got a great concept but you just watch it and you just don't feel attached to it at all um and i think that's because when there is a cool plot idea sometimes they think that's enough and they don't develop their characters into people that you become attached to yeah. and so i think characters have always been the main focus for me even though the story is very plot driven. Um, and I think, I think just as, as I was creating the story, it was very much so, uh, I was 16 at the time and a massive reader. And I knew that my audience that I was writing to was that kind of teen years in high school age group. So I just thought, what's a story that I want to read? Like what's something that I think would be cool? What's the type of humor that I would like? And I just included it all. And I just kind of went with it. Um, 
Love yeah, it. and 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 the first book, I very much had an had a very loose idea. I knew what I wanted the the very end to be, but I didn't have that much of a plan for the series, and so I just wrote it. And by the end of the first book, I realized it was something that I wanted to continue doing. And so then I was like, sweet, I need to come back. I need to plan out the entire series so that it's all cohesive, so that it all works. And then I went back and changed a lot of things in that first draft um, so that it can stay consistent with the rest of the story. Um, But yeah, sorry, I I find that I just start thinking about one thing and then another. So my mind might go up in different areas, but yeah. (laughs) it's That's good, man, because it's all interconnected and it's so hard to... Um, point one component out without you know featuring its link to another critical yes like you can't talk about plot and not talk about characters yeah you know it's it's so good man um okay dialogue let's talk about dialogue dialogue. i want to ask you how do you come up you mentioned humor Mm. um i want to feature certain plots and different characters i want to write for this aged audience and I want to insert humor that I understand. And um, so can you tell us a little bit, how do you come up with the dialogue in those yeah. scenes of the book? That's that's a great question. Um, I think because, again, because it's slightly plot driven, it just becomes a thought of this is happening right now. And I know that I've got these fleshed out characters, at least to me in the beginning, they're not fleshed out to the audience, but like to me, I understand these characters and it just becomes a, how would they react to this situation? Um, and I've actually got a whole draft in my process dedicated just to dialogue and voice of each character. So I don't, I don't treat it too preciously in the beginning. I'll just kind of write very generically in the dialogue. Mm. And then around draft four, I don't look at anything that isn't in quotation marks. And I just go through for the dialogue, making sure that every character's voice is specific to them. And a big thing that I found that helps me with that to make it actually sound natural is I make faces. So whenever a character is saying something in a certain way, I always like make that face and then... And it was a subconscious thing at first until my wife pointed it out to me. She would look at me while I was writing and she was like, what are you doing? And because I'm just like pulling these crazy looking faces. Um, but it's because it's like if a character's upset, I'll, like, I'll make that face as I write so that like I know subconsciously how to describe what's happening to them to be able to describe them. And I find that doing that, it's almost... I, I was a big drama kid growing up. I was very into theatre and um, drama, drama performances and stuff. And so I find that, yeah, doing that kind of allows me to step into the character a bit more and figure out what they would say in the situation. Um, But yeah, the the dialogue is probably my favorite part and the trap I fall into is being too dialogue heavy. Um, And so that's a big thing in going through in future drafts is making sure that every, every sentence that the characters speak is actually contributing to the story because I find I get a lot of fluff dialogue just, just because, because it, to, to me, me it's, it's the easiest thing to write because I can put myself in their shoes and just think, how would this conversation go? Yeah. And with the, with the military context, cause they obviously mm. start out civilians and then they get, you know, you said it's, it's a gray area, whether they're held in custody against their will, um, right. yep. to be assets or it's, uh, you know, voluntary, um, did you do any specific research around, you know, their interactions with military? Did some of that already exist as knowledge 
in your mind in terms of you know when the dialogue happens with the military people what kind of terminology you know all those little things that kind of can slow down our process but we know it's you know I suppose it's necessary to know what yeah. they would really say you know was that a big part of your process or was that quite easy well that was something I hadn't really thought of until one of my beta readers who was reading the story came back and was just like they do not sound like military it's like they, they it just sounds like another person and it needs to be way stricter um and and part of that is part of the mystery of the story is that the person in charge doesn't seem like the normal person and they're kind of wondering why is this guy the guy that's in charge um but then a part of that was also so the, I, I do keep an aspect of this doesn't feel right this doesn't feel perfectly military but that's that's intentional to the story. Um, but then I also had to be like, okay, I need to really rethink this and actually I improve it in some areas. It, it, it was much too casual um, in, in that aspect. But it's, yeah, it, it's, they're, they're in this weird situation where, in the first book at least, at, at the academy is what they call it, it's just dedicated to these supers. There's about 20 of them. Um, and... They have military trainers who are like very, who are training them in their powers, but it's, it's also, also like, like they don't really know what they're doing because this is a very fresh thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other half is more so like psychologists and uh, people running tests on them and stuff to try to understand what's, what's happening, why they have these powers. Wow. Yeah. So um, there's a psychology realm to it where. Yes. And there's definitely a mental health power. aspect to it wow, um, that's amazing. as well. Yeah. yeah and, and that's something that I've gone through. I, I think I don't want to go into spoilers, even though <laughs> the second book's not out yet, but like my main characters in the second book, I find that I didn't do this consciously, but just reflecting on it the other day, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. It's almost like my four core characters represent um, an aspect of mental health. So my main character, Jess, definitely to me, if I look at it this way, uh, would represent anxiety. Um, and which is funny because that's something that I've experienced a lot of through my life, especially my early teen years. I had very intense anxiety. Um, and then one of my other characters would represent like anger, anger management, management and losing their temper and not being able to control themselves effectively. Uh, one of the third character would represent OCD, um, which is something that while I personally haven't actually experienced, I've had very close people to me go through OCD and deal with that and seeing that up close. Um, and then the other one would represent depression, which likewise I've walked with people who have experienced quite intense depression. And so, yeah, I, I think I realized that without even trying to, a lot of mental health stuff has kind of invaded the story. Um, yeah. And I think because, and just because of the nature of it, it it's all, the, the concept is tied to trauma. So there's obviously going to be a lot of fallout from that. And yeah, I think that was a difficult balance I found in the first book was a lot of people came out from reading it, my beta readers, thinking that was really dark in, in, in some, some of its, its like content. content. But like, the entire time I felt really lighthearted because of like the humor and the comedy and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that kind of represented pretty well my experience of mental health. Cause like in high school, it's like, I, I, for example, I had a friend who was suicidal, but she would constantly make jokes 
and it's like and would keep it light and it's like and she was going through this really heavy thing but as teenagers we don't really know how to deal with it yeah. and so we just shift whoa sorry that was sorry um but yeah as teenagers we don't really know how to deal with it and so we just shift it and shift the focus and go well then let's laugh yeah. um yeah, yeah. so I, f- I found that be- being a very interesting balance in the books because i don't want to take away from the importance of some of these experiences um but also yeah i, I find myself making it light-hearted without yeah and, and that's the thing just trying to make sure that the light-heartedness doesn't actually take away from the moments that are serious mm. yeah that's good man yeah because i think there's a lot of emphasis these days on you know the superhero movies we see and and there is a bit more emphasis of their backstory having a trauma um mm. aspect to it and which yeah it, it's that that it's that additional hook of we can resonate with we can connect to yeah. those characters and their process and um and yeah that's that's so good man um now what is in the future of the series what do you see ahead of this amazing series of books? Uh, where would you like to see it go? What should it become? You know, what's mm. what's on your heart in that sense? Because you're the person who's, you know, created this world. And, and I, I love that. I love this. This is something we're called to do as people who are made in the image of God is we are creative. We're artistic. Mm. And and um, it's a it's a deeply fulfilling process to and hard work to create a world and create characters that we actually really care about. Um, yeah. Where do you see it going? That's a great question. Um, I think I would definitely like to be able to turn being an author into a full-time career. So I think a, a lot of people as they write, it's because they have a story that they need to tell and they just want to get it out there, but they're very happy for it to be just, this thing on the side as they continue on with life, which to some extent it has to be until it can become something more. But I think from the beginning, uh, as, as I've been writing, I've always wanted this to be my thing. Um, so a, I just like to get everything out. Like there's still, I've got three of the books written and they're just like, they're just sitting there at the moment and I'm like, okay, I really need to work on them and get them out. Um, but I definitely think I'm a very visual person, especially as I write. Um, so I think I'm always imagining it as a piece of media that I can see. So I think personally, I would love for it to one day become either like a TV show or a movie. Um, the difficulties in that is, as I mentioned before, it's based around teenagers and five books take six months. So mm-hmm. normally when you're kind of constricted to one book being turned into a piece of media per year, there might be an issue with one of my characters who say is 10 at the beginning of filming and his character is still 10 at the end, but now the actor is 15. So (laughs) like logistically, some things would need to be worked out, but I I would love to see this become a piece of media, uh, specifically a TV show, I think would work really well. Um, One of my things that I get caught up in the other day, I got out of the shower. I didn't think I'd been in there that long, but but my wife was like, that was like 40 minutes. What were you doing? And I was just like, whoa, I didn't think that because I'd been listening to music and imagining the scenes that would be accompanied by that piece of music. music. So, so like, like I have, I have a, a little, little playlist that's called my Hidden Heroes concept album um, yeah. because as like, because there are certain songs that I'll literally write the scene imagining 
a TV show where this song is playing and this stuff is happening. And that's yeah. the picture I have in my head. And so then I just try to describe it. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the, the, the future that I would like to see for it is I'd like to see it adapted into something else. Um, and I'd like to make it my full-time gig if possible. Yeah. Full-time <laughs> yeah. author. Yeah. That's so good. Now here's a big question. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel a unique or pivotal or critical moment kind of calling from God to be an author of mm. a fantasy novel series? Was that something that you felt like I had a moment in God where, yep, I just, I just felt commissioned or was it this intuitive, instinctive, intrinsic, like I have to write like there's just in my makeup, it's in my design to do this. Mm. It's, it's interesting. Cause I would almost say neither. It's almost like I fell into this kind wow. of accidentally. Um, yeah, it was coming out of high school. In short, I had this idea that I wrote as a short story that I thought was really good and I didn't get a great mark on it. So in my head, I was like, no, this is a great idea. I'm going to, I'm going to flesh this out. I'm going to make it into a book. At this stage, English was my worst subject. I was always really good at maths and drama and science. And English was like the one subject that I'd never been able to nail. Um, But that being said, creative writing was always one of my favorite things to do in school. So I come out of school um, and I start writing it almost as a joke just because I told some friends like, yeah, I got a bad mark on this. I'm going to turn this into a book series and, I, and, that, and that'll that show true, him. Yeah. But being like very light about it, it wasn't like I was fueled by spite or anything. Um, but it was like when I started writing, I just realized, whoa, I actually love this. This is amazing. And then the more I wrote, the more I realized like, whoa, this is something that I don't think I could stop. And even when there's like been times where there's been months where I haven't worked on it, it's like, it's always nagging me when I'm not working on it to just be like, there's still like, I still haven't finished telling the story. And I think I've realized that storytelling is a big thing for me. Um, cause I'm, I'm musical in different ways and I've found that writing songs can be really difficult unless I'm trying to tell a story. And if that happens, then I can write a song like in an hour and it's easily done. And I actually like play it and I'm like, well, that's actually pretty good. I I don't mind that song compared to, uh, I've found especially writing worship songs have been really difficult. I have so much respect for people who do it because in my head, I'm like, I I don't really know how to uh, talk about ideas as much as talk about like a specific beginning, middle, end. here's a story. Um, Yeah, so I think I I just, I started doing it almost as a joke and I just realized storytelling was something that I loved. And it makes a little bit of sense with my upbringing, doing a lot of drama stuff and a lot of musical theater. That was, was, I wanted to be an actor for a long time as a kid. Um, And so it was like, I I loved being a part of a story. Mm. Um, And then I think I just kind of realized, oh, writing them is actually my favorite thing of all it's like i prefer that to anything else um yeah. is creating them and yeah that's kind of how it started and then god just kind of 
took over in different ways. I started receiving so many prophetic words about, mm. I see books in you, like you need to write books and stuff. And in my head, I was like, that's me. I, I'm, I'm writing, writing books. books. <laughs> like, like, that's true. Um, and yeah, and it just kept going on like that. I, I remember somebody, um, David Wagner, who's a prophet from America. I remember one time he, he prophesied that he saw two pens in my hand. And one of, with one of them, I was going to write like C.S. Lewis, is what he said. And I mean, that's a massive thing to live up to. I'm like, I'm very content if I don't, because <laughs> that's like, uh, maybe in 50 years. Um, but he, and C.S. Lewis's work is something that I very much so admire. Um, and then later down, he, he said, and I know I mentioned stuff about books before, but he's like, but I really see that you're going to write things that will turn into movies. And, wow. and he said, and I'm not talking those cheesy Christian B-grade movies, although they're great and there's nothing wrong with that. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I see mainstream things coming out. And I was just like, that's, that's what I want to do. And then after that, there were times where I didn't work on my books for months. Hmm. And then yeah, I'd have to remind myself, I'm like, well, the prophetic is often an invitation. This isn't just going to happen if I sit here. It's like, I actually need to, I, I need to orient myself, start working towards it. Um, and so I guess that's what I'm trying to do. Wow. But yeah. That's amazing. And so at the moment you're studying university, um, yes. which is another thing that's added to your week. Mm -hmm. Um, where does writing fit in your, what's a week in the life of Luke Girardi? Um, I think that's what I'm trying to figure out at the moment. <laughs> uh, it was, I, I haven't studied since 2018 when I did financial planning and now I'm doing theology. Um, and so that's, uh, a lot more work than I've been used to. Um, so, and I'm working part-time doing like video editing and stuff for a ministry school. So at the moment I've just gone, I'm going to leave my book for a week or two, settle into uni and do work that I have to do if I want to keep getting paid. Um, <laughs> and then I'm going to start reintroducing it, figure it out. Uh, it, it, it might be at a slower rate than when I wasn't. Um, but I hope that I can at the very least get a bit done each day. And that's what I find is the best. It's mm. when I can do a little bit each day, um, yeah. cause it gets me in the zone, gets me consistent. Um, and that's much better than just being like, I'm going to dedicate one day a week to doing writing. I find that doesn't work quite as well for me. Mm. Um, I, I kind of need to be consistently coming back to the story mm. for it to really work in my mind. Um, so I guess, yeah, yeah working a, a little bit each day, maybe I'll just dedicate half an hour to an hour mm. each day to just work on my book. Um, yeah. but thank you for that question. Cause now that's making me think, how am I going to incorporate this as life gets crazy? Oh, look. And I think that's the thing for us. Like when, you know, you mentioned incorporating a, a bit of time a day, you know, that I I'm taking it that you're saying you're not inspired every day you're actually making a choice to sit down and do it yeah, every day. Definitely. And that, you know, that's so important, isn't it? That we, that we make the choice to value our craft mm -hmm. enough to do that. Um, that's awesome. Now, what has collaboration looked like in this process for you? You said you had a few beta readers um, and obviously consulting with the most high before you sit down to write <laughs> yeah. as well, yeah. uh, which is the major collaboration you and the Absolutely. Lord writing together is just, yeah. you know, it's the greatest joy of life to create with the Lord and mm. to feel his presence and to in, you know, receive his wisdom and receive things that you didn't know existed. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, writing half an hour and you don't remember how you wrote it, you know, those sorts of things. But yeah. in terms of the extension of that, what does collaboration look like uh, in this process for you? Yeah, well, I think it, it started with, I was extremely private. If I was working on my book and anyone walked in the room, I'd shut the lid just because I was like, you're not going to see a sentence. <laughs> um, and I remember it, my family got quite annoyed with me because they'd be like, I'm not trying to read your book. I just want to talk to you. Um, <laughs> but the first kind of collaboration, as you said, was with God, with, with God just being like, hey, write this with me and seeing where that takes us. Uh, but then introducing beta readers was a very interesting process because i mean especially with that first book it was like this is my baby yeah. i'm the only person who has ever seen this or had any input in it and now i'm literally asking somebody to rip it to shreds like it, it's not just that i'm giving it to someone saying please be nice it's i'm giving it to someone saying tell me how it sucks so i can fix it and that is intimidating that's that's a really yeah that's not fun um honorable yeah seriously and so i think Probably the beta readers for the first book were nicer than currently. Like the, the people I have reading it now, like for the second book and the third book and stuff, they, um, they're they a bit more happy to be like, this doesn't make sense. You need to fix this. This is a really bad idea. Um, and, and that type of stuff, when I'm reading it, I'm reading the advice and I'm like, wow, that that's not nice. But it's also like the best and it's the stuff that I need. Um, yeah, I remember my dad actually read the second book. And the first thing he said was he was just like, I didn't like it compared to the compared to the first one. And I was just like, oh, why? And I think part of it <laughs> afterwards, I realized he, he was very biased in he wasn't looking at it objectively. It was very much so uh, the characters just didn't have like rest. They were just like on the run the entire time. Like all this stuff was going on. And I was just like, well, yeah, that was that was the plot of the book. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's it, it definitely takes a bit to, to to get comfortable with people viewing your work and giving you feedback, especially negative feedback. Um, so that that definitely took a while. I think I eased myself in again because the first people I asked were very nice people. Um, and then the more I went in, I was like, sweet, now let me give it to some more people who are probably better qualified and who won't mind giving me a bit more serious feedback. Like my, my cousin, for example, she teaches VC English, um, and she probably has the harshest feedback for me on it, but that's great. That's exactly what I need. Um, and then for the first book, I actually got it published through a co-publishing agency. Mm. And that felt a little bit weird because it was like, first I had to submit it to them for their review team to see if they would take it. Um, mm. And they did, that was great. They came back and were like, we loved it. And they didn't like say you needed to change anything. So that, that was kind of an ego boost, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then giving it over to like the editors and stuff like that for them to work on. I, I actually had no problem with it, mm. which I, I, it might've been easier because I didn't know who they were. It was like, I just gave it off to these people and they edited it and gave it back. And so it was like a very external thing. Um, now I've made the switch to self-publishing. So it's like, I'm kind of, I, I have a person who I think I'll go with as my editor in America. And it's like having a little bit of conversation with her and it's like, oh, this is actually a person who's going to read it. Becoming a bit more aware that might be a bit more intriguing. Um, but yeah, and 
but, but by and large, it's a very internal process for me. Mm. It's like I do all the first drafts myself without anybody else reading them. And then I do the second draft without anyone else reading them. And then I send it off to some beta readers to get some feedback on the story and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think one thing I would love to do in the future is a collaborative project where I think I would struggle if it was like multiple authors of the same book, but I think I, I would love to do something in the future where it's like multiple authors writing their own books, but they're all interconnected. I think that would be really cool. Um, yeah, but collaboration, I mean, with writing books, it, 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 it's kind of a, a, it is a bit of a lone wolf game. So you have to be quite intentional about that collaboration. Yeah, it's um, a lovely journey. Yeah, so. And it has to be because you, you've got the concept inside you and, and, and you're learning how to get it out and put it out there so it can translate to many people. And yeah. they can be invited into this story and this world and, mm -hmm. and be like, oh, wow, you know, that's the purest process, you know, is, is getting it out. But yeah, that's so good, man. That's so good. We're going to duck to a quick ad uh, just to give our listeners a little bit of a taster of this amazing series of books and we'll be right back after this. So, completely hypothetically, imagine how you would react if you went skydiving with your father and he died tragically. Then six months later, after living with a crazy phobia of heights for most of your junior year, you found out that you could fly. And I mean fly, like a superhero. Not only that, but then you're kidnapped by the government and taken to the academy where you find others like you with powers tied directly to a traumatic event in their lives just ripped from everything you've ever known and being forced to utilize the very thing that serves as a constant reminder of the most horrific moment of your life. Then, just to make life a bit more fun, you fall into a whole conspiracy about your captors, their true identity, how you got your powers, and how to escape. How would you react? You don't know? Yeah, makes sense. I wouldn't either. But, and you'll find this surprising, that's exactly what happened to my friend Jess. Read his story in the Hidden Heroes Initiation out now. And welcome back. You guys just heard a little bit of a teaser, an insight to Hidden Heroes, an up and coming brilliant book series for those out you uh, out there who are, love that fiction, fantasy, uh, sci-fi-esque um, genre for young adults. It's going to be uh, such an inspiring series. So guys, we're going to close out the podcast in the next little uh, little while, five to 10 minutes, but I want Luke to just sort of speak directly to you guys. Those of you who are really aspiring to uh, step into that author space, step into that storytelling space, because uh, I am of the conviction, this is the, the reason I started this podcast, is mm -hmm. I am of the conviction that God is raising up so many storytellers right now. It's like a Kairos time for storytellers to step into their pulpits in the arts industry and begin to tell stories that are going to astonish the nations and not in a B-grade Christian media sense, but in a, in a really authentic, legitimate, genuine, uh, relatable sense that's going to really impact hearts and mm -hmm. reveal Jesus in very unique ways. Um, and so I'm going to hand it over to Luke now, and I just want to encourage you to open your heart you know, take on that space where you're receiving and, and having ears to hear what the Lord wants to say to you to encourage you to take your place as a storyteller. Thanks, Luke. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the, the thing that I always think of is that anyone can write. 
and nothing can disqualify you from that. I, I, I was dro I dropped out of high school and started writing my book. It's like as a 16 year old. Um, so anyone can write, but not everybody will. And so the, I think the one thing I would say is if you have any sort of inkling that you want to be, be one of the people who do, because not everybody will. And it, it's almost like it's, if anyone's seen Ratatouille, um, <laughs> the, the thing is anyone can cook and the, and some people hate that because they're like, no, not everyone can cook. And that's the whole point is that not everyone will, but everyone has it within themselves. And I think the same is true for writing. Um, and if you don't know where to start, just a little bit of advice from me, start at the end, just figure out what, what, what you want that end to look like, and then just go back and get there from the beginning. Um, yeah. And, and as Elliot was saying, it, it doesn't have to be explicitly be great, cheesy Christian to carry the heart of God. I mean, even if we look at the Bible, Esther, the book of Esther doesn't even mention God once. And yet it's still scripture. And it's still conveying the heart of the Lord so well. Now, I'm not saying any of us are going to write scripture, but if, if a book of the Bible can still be so revelatory and incredible and have so much value, and it doesn't even mention God, then that tells me that God doesn't only exist when we name him, but he actually exists in everything. And so for my story, I, I hope that a lot of people who read it will get something out of it. And I don't have any great Christian allegory within it, but I have asked God to write it with me. I've invited him into the process and I hope that hearts are touched through it. And I just want to encourage anyone listening who might be struggling with that, that the same can be true for you. It doesn't have to, you don't have to be writing, uh, something like the line, the witch in the wardrobe where <laughs> you have the God character sacrificed and rise again. It doesn't have to be uh, that. That's beautiful. And if you want to write that and you're feeling like you can do it, um, but it doesn't need to be that obvious for God to still be in it. And really you can write anything as long as you submit it to God, ask him to be a part of the process. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a God filled book, like right there. That's it. Um, and obviously this doesn't just extend to books. If you're writing, poetry or if you're writing songs or playwrights or screenplays, it's, it's, it's anything. Um, but, but yeah, as, as Elliot said, we were created in the image of God and God is the ultimate creator. So just create, we have God within us as Christians. He's going to be a part of the process. Um, so yeah, just don't be, don't be scared. So we'll good. be along for the ride. Do not fear. And fear is the one thing that holds us back. Like you wouldn't believe how many um, TV series and movies that people would deem to be evil are written by Christians. Mm, like, yeah. you know, the, I'm reading a book at the moment called Behind the Screen. And it's about, it's written by a collection of Hollywood producers, screenwriters, whatever they may be. Um, and the first chapter is he's talking about how much God is doing in Hollywood. He's mm. talking about how many people are meeting and praying together. He's talking about these incredible stories. And he was the screenwriter for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm. Um, you know, and it's just crazy. You know, so much of our uh, Christian worldview can get so um, filtered uh, that we, we actually hate the people that we're called to serve and love. Um, mm. And he, unfortunately, he wrote, you know, all our hate mail came from Christians yeah. um, and none of them had anything good to say about our work. 
and none of them encouraged us. None of them, you know, shared the love of God with us. And, and this is what we need to be in this day and age is the people of love that, that God destined us to be and how we create uh, is going to be impacted by our revelation of God's love and how much he wants to fill every one of our creative processes with his love, with his reality, with his perspective um, and with his kindness towards humanity. Um, bro, th that was so good. Um, I want to just really encourage everyone. If you need to listen to this again, do it, um, sit down, put it, put your earbuds in and start writing the story that you know is inside of you to write. Mm. And um, yeah, bro, I'm really believing with you for the fulfillment of those words um, that David Wagner spoke over you uh, to have input into film creation and taking those stories from page to screen. Um, mm, thank yeah, you. that's really exciting, man. Thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, guys, we will see you next time on Art Vance. Again, if you want to drop us a voice message, you have questions you want us to feature in the show. And if you haven't yet, please join our Facebook page. Uh, as well, the group in our Facebook page, Sounds of Soaring Facebook page, but go to the groups and join the Art Vance uh, group because I want to have more interaction together uh, because artists need community and we actually need a safe place to flourish and um, encourage each other in our, in our process of creating and achieving everything God's designed us to do. So have an amazing week, guys, and we'll see you next time on Art Vance. Thank you again for joining us on this podcast. You guys, as our Artvance community, are the reason we produce this podcast because we realize there's a need for the narrative of what God is saying right now concerning worship and the arts industry here in Australia and beyond. Live the unboxed life. Be uncontainable in God's heart for you to be released into your field, your open place, and reveal Jesus to your people. See you next time on Artvance. Thank you.